On today's show, part two with myself and Wes Morton talking all things Summer League and Pascal Siakam. All of that is on the way. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1524 of the Lockdown Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Monday evening into Tuesday. This is actually going to be part two of two with my friend, Wes Morton of Peachtree Hoops. So if you missed part one, I encourage you to listen to that one first. And that should be in your podcast feed of choice right now, either on YouTube or Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. This is, again, part two of two with myself and Wes talking about Summer League, as well as some Pascal Siakam talk here at the end of this part two conversation. Please stay tuned for the rest of this combo. Check out Wes's work and much more. And without any further delay, here's myself and Wes with part two. The rest of the guys, before we get to some Siakam talk at the end of this thing, obviously the roster guys, unless you have real takes on the likes of Brady Manick or Kevin Gelly or whatever, we can leave those guys to the side. They're probably going to be huge factors moving forward. But Muhammad Gay, Tyrese Martin, Beat Krejci, Seth Lundy, Miles Norris. We talked a little bit about Lundy in particular, Norris in particular earlier. I guess we start with Gay. What do you make of what you saw? Because I do think that first game, people got very, very, very excited, and I understand why. Um, and the flashes are really intriguing also, but he has a tendency to kind of disappear at times. Like, uh, what did you make? I don't want to put words in your mouth. What did you What did you think of what you saw from uh, five games of Muhammad Gay? Yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, honestly, for for a guy who's a second round pick, like you know, it, it's fine. Like, yeah, you, you saw the flashes. You can see the upside. Certainly, Definitely. you know, the fact that he's got you know, um, you know, ability to like you know, someone hand the ball and, and pull up and shoot. You know, he had a couple like you know, Dirk sort of fadeaways, one leg sort of things, and. Um, had a couple like really nice passes, like really like advanced reads, finding guys who were cutting. Um, but like you said, it just didn't kind of go away. I mean, I don't, I don't think his stat line's really gonna, gonna knock anyone's socks off. But I mean, like I said, he's a developmental guy. Like, I mean, you, you draft a guy 39th overall. Like, you're not expecting him to just step in and be, you know, obviously got a lot of, there saw a lot of, you know, oh, future Pascal Siakam, ironically enough, like. Yeah, you know, you I, think my, I think my favorite take, my, my favorite take of the whole week wasn't, you know, the future ones are fine. I, I get that. Like people dreaming on what he could be. I totally understand. Um, my favorite one of the week was that I had I had someone tell me with a straight face that, that they thought he was better than John Collins right now. And I was like, you've literally lost your mind. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, my apologies. And that's not even like me being pro Collins. It's like John Collins is an NBA yeah. starter and Muhammad Gay is not. Like, let's surprise that didn't come from our slack, but uh, yeah, of course. But no, it, it was one of those things, and I get it. Like, yeah. it is fun to dream on these guys, and I think he's the perfect example of a player where the Hawks were telling people like me, like at the draft, like, they're that's not that is not a draft pick for right now. Like, Seth Lundy is much more of a like maybe we'll have to maybe we'll have to use this guy this year kind of draft pick. He's much more short term, although he, he has some long term appeal too, but they didn't draft Muhammad Gay for his rookie season. Like right. he got the, he got the four-year deal because they, they think that in two or three years, he actually might be a real guy for them. Potentially if it all goes well, that's why you do the long-term contract versus the two-way for Lundy. But like, I, I think it's, we did see in my opinion, anyway, like I, I don't think Muhammad Gay will be a guy that you see a lot of this year in Atlanta. I think he'll be spending a lot of time in college park as he should. And I think that there's lots of, there's lots of appeal. I mean, the Hawks like him a lot. I can tell you that right now. The Hawks yeah. are very in on what he could be. It's just going to take a while. 
Yeah, I think I think it's he he's he's a guy who's perfectly made for the, the you know the highlight tapes, but yes, he's he's still got a long ways to go on like little things, you know, a lot of kind of basic defensive mistakes and the things that you know if you're yeah. watching a three minute cut up of the game, you're not really gonna like you know well, if you're yeah. a fan of the Hawks, you're watching the three minute cuffs of the game and like thinking what this guy could be. It's exactly right, and especially def- I mean defensively, you you mentioned that because like the the blocks are really impressive. He's got great length, great athlete. But like, there's this thought that he's that he's a center, and he's really not. Like defensively, especially, he is not ready to play center. Um, even on offense, he's really playing like more of a wing in a lot of ways, like a, always a small ball four kind of like four spacer role. I know he's six eleven, but he's not a center. And I think we all kind of saw that. The Hawks have acknowledged that he he started next to he played next to center. There was one stretch I think that he played a little bit of center, and the Hawks got killed um, yeah. because he he was not ready to anchor that defense. Like they they tried it once. But like, I think that he'll be playing next to a center in College Park a lot, which is makes sense. That's what he is right now. Maybe yeah, long term. Yeah, I think it is either third or fourth game. But yeah, the, yeah, the, every single basically every single drive they were going right like at him <laughs> and get a foul. And, you know, yeah. he 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 just like Buffkin also has to like bulk up and get into a sort of conditioning program. Like he's like Definitely. like he said six eleven two fifteen. Like you know, it's, it's going to take a little bit of time. But like I said, I mean the Hawks the Hawks see him as a developmental piece. You know, I think it's pretty clear he's you're not expecting anything out of him year one. Like he's going to be in, you know, college park for, for, for the majority of the time, I would imagine once he kind of gets option there. Yeah. I would uh, tend to agree. Um, because I know you're a sicko like I am. I will ask you about the, what I, what I think is a, re, you know, I, I hesitate always to say that it's a direct battle, but it's pretty intuitive that Tyrese Martin and V Krejci are maybe battling for one spot. Maybe I'm not saying that's definitely the case, but it could be that way. Tyrese's guarantee date is later this week. Um, what did you make of the two of them? Because Tyrese had the one big game. I think he had 24 points or whatever it was, had a bunch of fourth quarter moments. It was really good. The rest of the week, not so good. Veet had uh, flashes to people like you and I, like the little stuff, like the passing. And like, But he's not going to – he didn't blow anybody away with the, like the same kind of volume that Tyrese had either. So it was kind of interesting like parallel on what those guys actually are. But I wonder what, like, who do you like more, I guess, at this point in time is the ultimate question. But what did you make of those two guys this week? Yeah, it's kind of funny because they're kind of, like like you've sort of touched on, they're sort of polar opposites in a way. They're not as very far, similar. Yeah. <laughs> as, as far as the way they want to go about, like, play. Because Tyrese, Tyrese Martin, what, whatever game it was against the Timberwolves, where I think I think it was 25 points, where yeah, he was going he's, hard. He scored the bulk game. of it in fourth quarter. Fourth quarter is like, you know, get me the ball. You know, he's able to take guys off the, off the, off the bounce get to the rack like he's a guy who at least in this format he scales up really well um just because he's you know kind of just physically more mature than a lot of guys you know at, at this level and he, he's got the handle he's got the the, the passing the creation and kind of just like the you know the ability to get into the lane and 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 hit some tough shots um whereas Krejci's more of a Krejci's more like I'm gonna pass first guy like he, you know he's still still kind of hesitant to look for a shot unless it's like, you know, kind of a layup or a three attempt. But, but crazy had, like you said, he had some, you know, incredible like whip passes and, and all this other stuff. But uh, to, to, I mean, not, not to sound too harsh, but both of them, even both of their archetypes are almost like there's still something's kind of missing as far as being an NBA wing. Cause, cause that's what they are. That's what they need to be. You know, they're both six, five, six, six, like, like a wing. If, you know, if you're not, you know, Martin hasn't shown the ability to like, you know, beat NBA guys with his handle. Um, so if you can't do that, you kind of need to like scale down your 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 uh, your volume and you know spot up and shoot. Yeah. 
but neither of them, neither of them you look at like, okay, they're floor spacers or, um, you know, maybe if he, Feet and Martin have some sort of connectivity to them. Like they can, you know, they can move the ball somewhat well, but you know, they're just not really threats to, to space the floor around, you know, a high, higher creation guys like, like Trey DeJounte. Um, they kind of excel in this format because, you know, they're more advanced. They're, 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 they've got some years under them, but I think at the NBA level, I just don't think they're going to be, they'll be able to do that. And yeah, um, yeah, I, I wanna, it's, it's just I, a different step up to go on the NBA, you know, I was going to say, I think that 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 quarter of Martin kind of getting his own shot is both a good thing and a bad thing. Like, I think it's a, it's a reminder that, like, that's the way he wants to play and he's not really good enough at it. And I think that that's also um, as far as like a guy in his mold trying to earn a spot, you know, I don't think he's good enough at that in general. And then there's another bar you have to clear to be good enough to have a team want you to do that if that makes sense right. like I, I don't think anybody's trying to run stuff through tyrese martin in the, in the nba now granted summer league is, he, he did what he needed to do in that summer league i'm not saying otherwise he, he he played well but his limitations are like i think he he profiles i'm not saying this is definitely the case he's kind of that guy in between where he's just he's not quite good enough at the, at the stuff that he's good at and that's not it's not a knock on him. He's a second round pick. That that's a very typical thing. He doesn't kill you anywhere, but he's not a great shooter. Um, I think defensively he largely is okay, but he's not a game changer there either. You know, Veet's a little bit a little bit longer, a little bit taller than Tyrese, not quite as strong. Um, Veet is much more of like the guy that I think was more valuable on offense in the NBA as a, as a supporting piece because he, he's a really good ball mover, really good passer. The problem with Vita is that he doesn't defend. Like that's the problem there. Like if, if he was a better defender, I think he'd be a very clear like guy to keep around. It's just that, you know, Martin doesn't have a ton of like weaknesses. It's just that his strengths are not huge and the shooting is a question. Vita's defense is rough. I don't know. I, I think that just contractually, I keep leaning to like I think it's more likely that, that they keep Vita because he's not guaranteed guaranteed till, guaranteed till January. Right. Yeah. If they want to get V in, uh, in training camp, if they want to go some, somewhere else, they, they can cut V. Then if they want to, you know, if I had to guess right now, I think I, I would probably not guarantee Tyrese this week if it was me. I think they probably won't if I had to guess, but we'll see. I, I don't, I'm not reporting that. I, I don't know. I've yeah. asked people and they, they will not tell me just yet as we record this podcast. But I think that's unfortunate for Tyrese that it really might come down to c- contractual deadlines yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that, that's the good thing i want to bring up like you said so you know martin has an option like it's either you pick him up and now he's guaranteed for the whole year or um you know crazy they can then keep his it's guarantee league, dates league not until, yeah, yeah league wide date january 10th i believe yep so so you can keep them you can even bring them into next next year you know maybe there's a trade that kind of opens up you, you might need some salary filler or you know whatever you, it gives you a little bit more flexibility as opposed to just having you know, if you pick up the option on Martin and, you know, maybe somehow he's not in your plans later, like, you know, that's, that's, uh, you know, I don't know. Like I said, you know, maybe it just depends on kind of, you know, what team they're, they're trying to put out there. Like I said, if, if they're really, really gunko on having as many, you know, good ball movers who don't need to, you know, look for the shot, like you said, V, v would be that guy because he can kind of keep it, you know, keep the ball humming on, on offense. But, you know, then, then you think about defense, he's, he's still, you know, pretty, pretty skinny yeah. kind of guy. So he also, um, he also rolled his ankle in the fifth game. I don't think that's, oh, yeah, that's true. I don't think it's going to be a serious one, but we, I don't know. They, they told me pretty quickly he was going to be ruled out for the game. 
it looked just more pretty normal ankle sprain. So it's, it's mid July. It's, it's probably a good time to do that. If you're going to have an injury, it's probably a good time for it, but something throughout there. Today's show is brought to you by Price Picks. If you're into daily fantasy sports, you need to check out the award-winning app at Price Picks. Price Picks Daily Fantasy made easy. It's awesome. I've been playing there for years now, honestly. It's very easy to use at Price Picks, whether you're doing it for the first time or you're a seasoned veteran like I happen to be. At Price Picks, all you have to do is choose two, three, four, or five, or even six players, and then decide whether you actually have more or less than a certain number of points or rebounds or maybe total yards in the NFL, total bases in baseball, strikeouts, etc. From there, we're the 25 times the money on your entries. It's just that easy, honestly. They offer numbers on all kinds of different sports from the NBA, college basketball, college football, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, etc. And a whole entry we've done just a minute or less. It's that quick. Plus, it's just you against the numbers, making it very easy to evaluate what's going on at Price Picks. They have safe and fast withdrawals, and they're operating in more than 30 states now, plus Canada as well. Go to PricePix.com and actually download the Price Picks app right now. It's on Blend Day of Fantasy Sports. If you're a first time user, get 100% is deposit match up to $100 with promo code LOCKED ON. Again, that promo code is locked on and sign up for this deposit match up to $100. Check it out now, either on the Price Picks app or PricePix.com. Okay. Well, unless you have more to add on Seth Lundy or Miles Norris, unless you have takes you want to get off your chest, I do want to get to Siakam before we get out of here. Um, I realized this. I told you before we started recording. I, because of my challenges with the internet in, in Las Vegas, I haven't talked about Siakam with anyone on this podcast. It's just been me kind of not doing the same thing every day, but close to it. It's like, I'm sure you had the same feeling too. This, this never ending cycle of Siakam uh, machinations that are like slightly different every day, but not really overarchingly different. So I'll just open it up to you. Uh, what do you think of Pascal Siakam as a trade target? And then B, like, does that mean you think the Hawks should do it? Or also like, do they draw a line? Like there's the, there's kind of two, two discussions like, okay, do you want Siakam? And then if the answer is yes, how much you're willing to get up, give up for him? Because that, that's kind of the two main things. Right. I mean, on some level, you, you want Siakam. Like, sure. you know, there, there's good. a, yeah, he's a good player. Like there, there's a price point where you say like, oh yeah, I'll definitely take him on my team. Like, sure. But um, obviously the price price to give him up to, to, to get to take a man. I mean, you know, that's a question, obviously, um, you know, you, you would, you know, ideally, obviously not want to just trade something you, you really value for, Siakam for one year and, you know, the Hawks in my mind aren't, you know, one player away from, you know, maybe you make that swing, go for the fences if you're one player away, you know, obviously the Raptors did that with Kawhi a few years back, but, um, you know, you, if, if you were to trade for Siakam, Siakam, you would not, you would need to have kind of a plan of what you're going to do now. And then a plan of, okay, maybe he wants to hit free agency, but, you know, have some conversation of, you know, being in your long-term plans. So, um, for that reason, you know, I really wouldn't give up anything that would, that would, you would consider like a future asset. So, so any sort of, any sort of picks, uh, maybe outside of say a couple of seconds or any of the young players, um, because I just think the, the Hawks of the franchise aren't really at that stage. They still need to be thinking long-term, you know, you know, I mentioned today, like they, you know, they've got a, they got a good long-term win when they signed DeJounte Murray to a contract where I think you look at what, you know, Van Vliet got over 40 million a year and it was a little shorter contract, but I think a lot of people think DeJounte himself may even say, I feel like I'm comparable, even better player than Fred Van Vliet. And with obviously the cap going up next year, when he would have hit free agency, you know, he could have been looking at, you know, definitely North of 40 million per, but for the Hawks to sign him to a 30 million per deal, you got him locked in for the next five years, you know, that's, that's a win. So, 
it's kind of like if you make like a long-term win, like you want to keep playing in for that, you, uh, I think it would do them a disservice to do sort of a short-term move. Um, so, so again, I think the only structure of a Chicago trade would obviously be built around, you know, a guy like um, Dodger Hunter, who, who's got four more years on his deal for 80, 80 million. And, you know, there's obviously kind of some question of, does he really fit Quinn's side of system? You know, I think Snyder wants a little bit more, more versatile forwards who can, you know, more shoot decisively and pass decisively and, not sure DeAndre Hunter really fits that. And obviously he provides a lot of defensive value. Um, and then um, the other one to kind of make the salary match would, would be Clint Capella going out. So the, the the big one coming out of Mark Stein, I guess it was yesterday or whenever it was. Yeah, Sunday. Sunday that Dallas is still kind of sniffing around Clint Capella. Like they, they're still looking for that center to, you know, upgrade their centers there. Um, you know, obviously to bring in with, with Luke and Kyrie. So, um, if they were to somehow work through a three-way deal, like I think that's kind of the common sort of um, structure of it where, where maybe Hunter goes to Toronto and Capella goes to Dallas. And obviously there'd be a lot of other pieces kind of moving a different way. But um, in my mind, if I'm the Hawks, like I, I, I would try to protect any of the long-term assets, even Buffkin, you know, I've seen a lot, I've seen a lot today, the last couple of days where people are like kind of okay with uh, moving Buffkin to Toronto and, like I said, I, I haven't – the Summer League hasn't really changed my long-term opinion of him. I think he's, he'll still be a pretty valuable piece, and I think he'll – he's kind of the perfect complementary player, I think, to, to piece around a guy like Trey Young and DeJounte Mori, again, which you have lock, locked in long-term. So yeah. I, I would really wouldn't be in favor of moving Buskin just just for the fact that obviously he's a young guy. He's, he's not making that much money. I think you're kind of giving up on him for – um, what would look like it's, you know, one year of Siakam and then, you know, well, the that's, negotiation that's with the free agency. I mean, yeah, the big thing is uh, is the stuff that we that you and I probably can't know. And it's, it's you know, the, the smoke that's out there about Siakam. And I think I've heard this beyond just the reporting that he, he and his camp are trying to make it seem like he doesn't want to go anywhere else. And that means, you know, it could be posturing. That could be the case. But if you're the Hawks, it, man – that the hardest thing for me to see is that Toronto should ask for a lot. He's very good. It's one year, but he's, he's very good. I don't think the Hawks can pay what I would describe as market price for him without thinking they have a really good chance to extend him. Cause if you think there's a decent shot, it's one year, you can't give up, you know, multiple future facing assets plus Hunter and Seattle and, and, and Capella. That, that's just, a, it's a lot, man. And like, I think in a vacuum, yeah. If, if you if you think that Siakam would sign a two year extension or something right right away, you can give up more. That's fine. I mean, I'm not over the moon about it. But you know, Buffkin's an interesting one. Another thing I was going to ask you about this, like sort of this discussion, is like who would be off limits for you? Because I think everyone kind of assumes the Kings pick is a very natural thing to include um, as a as a sweetener. The Hawks can't trade their own pick this year because it's because they're everything else is kind of off the table. They only have one future pick they could trade is 2029. So the Kings pick is an obvious sweetener. But then like after that, Raptors fans want like a Kongwu and Griffin, right? Right. And Hawks fans want to maybe throw in Bufkin, if that. And it's like an interesting balance because I do think that Bufkin is probably below everybody else on the young guy list, which for, for me, everybody else is a Kongwu, Griffin, and Johnson. Um, I think Bay is a s- sneaky one in there. I'll just say that, like, I, I've heard him a lot more 
in discussions behind the scenes than I've heard like Hawks fans discuss him as a throw in. Cause like Bay's extension eligible. And I think if you go get Siakam, yeah, Bay would help you with the shooting and all that stuff. But like, you might not have money to pay, to pay Sadiq Bay. So like yeah. maybe if you, maybe it comes down to like, do you want to keep Kobe Bufkin or Sadiq Bay? That kind of thing versus someone like Griffin or because I, I think Akongwu is not going. If I had to guess, I, I'd be shocked if he got traded. I think I think Griffin and Akongwu are in the category for me anyway. Where I'll be shocked if they get traded. I think after that, Jalen, there's a little bit of discussion about like overlap with Siakam, Bufkin, Toronto seemingly wants, etc. Like, what? How do you feel about like where you draw the line? Is it just like? The Kings pick, you had to do Buffkin. If you had to do Bay, where would you kind of draw your line in the sand? So one thing about the Kings pick is, I believe you mentioned this, it actually gets more valuable if, if the Kings don't make the playoffs. It, it the, actually, the, the protection is there, yes. Yeah, they start. But I think the, risk, the risk there is if, if the Kings become the Kings again, which yeah. I don't think is going to happen, but if they become the Kings again, it could become two second round picks. Like at, at, some, at some point, it, it doesn't become unprotected, it becomes seconds. I do think that they become pretty good seconds if that happens, but that wouldn't be very sexy. So, yeah, I think it's it's very funny that the Kings made the playoffs this year for the first time in forever when the Hawks didn't need them to, and now they need them to this coming year. And, like, I think this, the Kings might make the playoffs, but they're not a lot to make the playoffs. So it's interesting kind of balance there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just – yeah. I mean, like you said, that's, that's basically your only tradable asset, a first-rounder other than 2029. I mean um, – yeah. So you brought up Bay. I mean, I mean Bay and Okongwu are both extension eligible. You know, obviously at this point, I would imagine there's been some contact as far as, um, you know, what what they're what both sides want out of an extension. Like, yeah, the, the Hawks have some idea of, you know, where they're at. So, so that's something that would inform, you know, okay, well, if Bay's camp is asking for too much, you're more willing to to let him go to Toronto, for example. So. You know, that's something that I, I don't have knowledge of. You, you you know, you may have, you know, some, some sourcing. Nothing, nothing, things, nothing but... big. And it's, and yeah, and I do think just because like, it hasn't come up, come up in a while. Generally speaking, I know Isaiah Stewart got done in the last week or so. Yeah, that was really quick. But most, most of the time, it's the max guys early and everybody else waits until close to what, close to the deadline. Like the, the herder extension happened very late. It was in October. Like the Hunter extension, same thing. It was in October. So like, I like Akongwu and Bay. Uh, Akongwu more than Bay, but no matter what, like neither one of those guys is like super easy negotiation. Where like the max, like Anthony Edwards is just like, okay, here's the max, Anthony. Like just take it, it's fine. Yeah. Trey Young's what he, what he's got done was just he, he signed on July first. It was the max. It was easy. Akongwu is very difficult because he has not started, but we all know he's the starter basically in terms of like value. Bay a little bit more tricky, but I think that yeah, they probably exchanged numbers. They probably talked a little bit, but. I hadn't thought about like, yeah, maybe that does play a part as far as like, not with a Kong, I don't think, especially if you trade Capella, then you, you can't trade. Yeah, yeah, you can't. Right, um, but Bay, I, 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 all I'll say is without going too far, um, I, I do think that there is a bigger possibility that Bay is in this trade than people have talked about it being. Because I, I, most discussion that I have seen is basically Hunter and Capella, and then it's like, which young guys or assets go out? And yeah. it's usually a discussion about Buffkin or the Kings pick or Jalen or whatever. And no one talks about Bay. I think Bay is a decent chance to be in the trade if it happens. If it happens. Again, if it happens, I'm right, not saying right. it's going to happen. The one guy I'm very, very, very confident, like 99% will be in the trade is Hunter. Everything else, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, so so that kind of gets back to, like I said, I, 
me personally, you know, maybe I'm just a little bit a more down on Siakam as a player or be more pessimistic on, you know, his chance of, you know, trying to, to, you know, negotiate either negotiate an extension or, or, you know, sign another contract with the Hawks. But I don't think I would go beyond Hunter and Capella. Um, like I said, um, it, it, you know, obviously Toronto's going to ask for more, um, but, you know, in my mind, I think you could maybe part with some of the guys who are closer to their extension. So, so again, I brought up Bay and Kongu, maybe Jalen, because yeah. he's, he's only two years away, as opposed to Griffin, who's three, and Buffkin, who's four. Um, but I do again, think, by I, the way, this is an Andrew Kelly thing that I think you uh-huh. might see us talking about this. I, I, I think there's two schools of thought on Jalen because beyond just him being a good prospect, but as far as like there's the one thing about him and Siakam kind of overlap a little bit which I think is true on offense in particular. But if you're trading Hunter, this is a point that Andrew made. I don't think you'd be, I don't think he'll be by I'm sharing this publicly, but it's because it's a good point. If you trade Hunter, you, you kind of need Jalen's defense on the perimeter. Like right. and I, I don't think Jalen's like an established perimeter defender yet, but if you look at the roster, if they trade Hunter, there are no established perimeter defenders like on the team. <laughs> like they don't yeah. exist. So, I mean, I guess maybe if Murray bounces back, but that's kind of it. I mean, it's, it gets not that again, not that Hunter's a great defender. Cause I don't, I don't think he is, but like it gets real, real ugly on defense. If you put Hunter out and I think you have to put Hunter in the trade. That's, that makes a lot of sense, but Siakam's not going to lock down. Like he's not a lockdown guy at this point at 29. And he's more, of, he's more of a power forward, et cetera. It's there's lots of different things you have to balance. Generally. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's why, that's why again, I, I would, yeah, you definitely need Jalen. I, I think certainly his defensive potential is, you know, probably the, maybe the highest of, of any of the primitive guys on the team right now. Like, he, he also gives you a lot of like uh, a lot of downside in terms of like there's a chance. I'm not saying it's likely, but there's a chance Jalen makes you look really silly, like really, really, really silly because his his actual upside, like his his hundred percentile outcome, is an all star, and like that's the kind of deal that like, you might look very stupid. So yeah. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but. Right. I th- organizationally you probably do think about that like okay what's the worst case scenario here and the worst case scenario with trading Jalen is that he really blows up which could happen yeah yeah I mean I'll know to some degree that could happen to you know obviously a Kongwe like I said I don't, I don't think a oh, was moved yeah, but like, like he, he's like he was a you know number six overall pick like oh yeah the, the potential's high you know and AJ Griffin who was you know mocked in the top 10 before he kind of fell for him injuries like so that, that's that's why I'm kind of I'm at the place where you know the Hawks kind of need a I still think they need to be patient and build long term. Like I said, they got they got the win with Murray. So the so thing that actually kind of, you know, I don't think I really brought up yet, but you know, there's already kind of fit questions with Trey and Dejounte. You know, how does Trey Dejounte Siakam fit? Like, yep. I, I feel like that could compound them trying to work through some of their issues they've had as far as space on the floor and you know, playing off of one another, playing off the ball, like you throw Siakam in the mix, is that a guarantee that that's going to, you know, fix things? Like uh, that might even, you you might get a situation where, yes, you've got three, you know, probably top 40 players, but they don't fit very well. The The result is, you know, it's kind of a less than the sum of a part sort of thing. So so I got fit questions with it as well. So, so again, yeah. that it kind of brings me back to, you know, I think the Hawks are, kind of they've kind of been um you, you mentioned it there other other executives other people around the league have the boxes their yeah. team building has been interesting we'll say they get they, they get they get they get poked fun of uh in national circles sometimes right so yeah. i think now is the time to be a little bit patient I'm not saying necessarily take a step back they don't want to take a step back they, they want to push for a playoff 
you know, playoff, you know, appearance and, and all that. But you've got you've got some decent young guys you, you've drafted. You're looking ahead. You're not going to have a lot of first round picks in the future if you kind of shell everything out for Fisiakum. And then the fit is very questionable. Then then you're in kind of a world of hurt. So so that's why I think that I land a lot lower on the prospect train. So Siakam's a great player, like he is. Like I said, I think he's certainly top 40 to probably top 30 player in the NBA right now. You know, obviously he'll, he'll cross into his thirties very soon, but um, I, I'm not sure that the Hawks are really in the, the right place to be um, including a lot of their, the assets that they do have, knowing that they, they're not going to have future assets in, you know, uh, 2024 or sorry, 2025, 25, six, they swap with Spurs in 2027. Yeah. You know? They're out some. They're out some future future capital for sure. So yeah, I think it's a move where we can talk about this for two hours. And maybe we'll come back to it later on. But it's uh, there are lots of different factors in play. It's like how good do you think you're going to be if you do this trade? I think you have to be pretty confident you're going to be very good in the short term if you do this trade for the Hawks. Not that any team's not confident. But you know what I mean? Like yeah. given where they've been the last two years in the play in, you got to think you're a 50 win team at least. To do to do this trade, I think, given the short term nature of his contract, all that stuff, the future money, all that too, and what you're giving up, uh, plus the future draft picks, the Trey Dejounte thing. The for me, the Dejounte and Pascal fit is the one that's kind of more questionable than Trey. So yeah, it's um, lots of factors. Uh, I do appreciate you talking to me about it, though, Wes. We've uh, we've we've done it for an hour plus. Yeah, yeah, we covered just about everything we could. <laughs> I think we could. I mean, again, I think you and I could probably do thirty more minutes on this, but I'm going to try to self self edit and, and sort of give me a part two of two with this podcast. But um, anyway, thanks for doing it, man. I really do appreciate it. Please plug all that you have going on. We talked about peace trips at the very beginning of this conversation, but please tell people where they can find all of that. Your work on Twitter, both uh, personal. Um, are you on, are you on threads now? I don't know what you're doing social media wise. So sure. I, I am on threads. I mean, yeah, I haven't really touched it in about a week, but same. Um, but yeah, so recently took over as managing editor of the peachy hoops. So, so I think number one, please visit peachyhoops.com. Um, we will, we'll be right throughout the off season. We'll be plugging, you know, whatever pops up as far as a rumor mill and things of that nature. But you can find me on Twitter at Blockhawk. Um, I believe I'm on Blue Sky as Blockhawk, but, but you know, I, I've got my links sort of pinned to my Twitter page. So uh, like I said, hey, me and you, we're sickos. We're, <laughs> even though that the basketball is ending, we're, we're still going to be, um, we're still going to try to engage the fan base and, and all that. So, yeah. Yeah, I recommend following Wes at the absolute highest level. Um, there's a uh, community over at Peace Troops. It's a fantastic place to check out. Lots, lots of Hawks fans read it and comment, and also great stuff from Wes and Graham and uh, you know Glenn whenever he checks in there and uh, the whole staff. So it's a it's a great product, and I do appreciate you giving me all this time on a Monday in July, Wes. We'll have to do this again later in the offseason. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thanks for having me on. As for everybody else, please subscribe to this podcast. Again, one more time, peacetreehoops.com for Wes's content, ratings, reviews on this pod, et cetera. Spread the word. And uh, like Wes said, we're not going anywhere in the near future. So stay tuned and we'll see you all next time.